Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. Matthew was already on the Zoom. Hi, Matthew. Hi, David. I'm still a little sick. We've uh, recorded a couple of episodes back to back, so um, I'm still fighting my sinus infection. Apologies for the uh, enhanced nasal quality of my voice, more than usual. Um, but uh, much like we've had to suffer through several episodes of Joe having a broken foot, we've had to suffer through several episodes of David. <laughs> With his sinus infection. Oh, no, but, I was just leaving at a suffering through a couple oh. episodes with David. Wow. Come on. Come on. That's a joke. Wow. I, I was joking. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, are you ready, Matthew, to tackle season nine, episode four, Before the Fall, which had an original air date of October 24th, 1987? I am so ready, David. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we just jump in, do some nuts and bolts, and then we can start talking about it, huh? Give me your nuts and your bolts. Okay. This was written by R.J. Colleary. C-O-L-L-E-A-R-Y. Sometimes credited as Bob Colleary. He is a new executive story editor for The Facts of Life, just joining this season and he will be with the show for the remainder of its run through uh, through season nine. As a writer, this is his first of two episodes. The second one is On the Edge later this season when, isn't it Joe is trying to talk a woman from a suicide hotline off a ledge that she wants to jump off of? Oh, it's in person, David. Face to face. Right, but it's a woman who works at like a suicide prevention place, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, comedy gold right there. You, you had me at suicide. Um, but Mr. Colliery won an Emmy in 1980 for writing an episode of Barney Miller. Oh, I didn't realize he was a colleague. Oh, 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 oh a fellow. I'm sorry, Matthew. He is a fellow Emmy winner. Where was Thank my you. head? Thank you. <laughs> He's a fellow Emmy owner. Uh-huh. Fellow mean... recipient of the Emmy Award. Yes. <laughs> And uh, he would also go on to write and produce for Benson, Saved by the Bell, Valerie, Harry and the Henderson, Step by Step, and Touched by an Angel, among many, many other writing credits. And it was directed by John Boab. Now, we talked about this last week, Matthew. We're, remember, we're in the multiverse right now, where this season was shot out of order. So if you recall... Oh, thank God you've got something to keep track of other than the girls' ages. Yes. Uh, if you recall, last week, the episode of uh, Blair and uh, Rumor Has It, that was the first episode filmed yes. for the season. The second episode is coming up. That's episode eight. That's oh the one God. arose by any other age. So that's the second one. Three and four were Down and Out in Malibu. Featuring Richard Mall. Number five, this one. This is episode number five. Okay. And so Nancy they, McKeon's cast been... is off. 
and they've been to Malibu and Nancy McKean is cured. Correct. So uh, let me do my synopsis and then we can start getting into the analysis. You better synopsize. Yeah. This is actually stolen from Wikipedia. I couldn't have done it better. Natalie lands a freelance assignment from the local newspaper to do an undercover article on Langley's ROTC, which may lead to more assignments. But she must face her fears when the job entails skydiving from an airplane. Dennis Haysbert has a small role as a drill sergeant. I only wrote down the girls for Sandy to make a phone call. <laughs> it's true. Oh, my God. Andy likes this girl named Patty. And they are like fucking forcing. I mean, on one hand, yeah, it's good to say, dude, have some confidence. Ask her out. Where she can do is say no, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's like, okay, make the phone call now while we're all in the room and can listen and overhear you. And yeah. it's, oh, God, it's it's very, very awkward. But, you know, at least he's not horny Andy you know, asking her, he can take her to a motel or something. At least it's just a study date. Oh, David, wait till next week. Oh, we're gonna, really? We're going to put a pin right here on the whole Andy storyline because uh -oh. it will be more discussed next week. Oh, good. I was afraid they were going to stop sexualizing a prepubescent teenager. Phew. You've restored my faith. So uh, let's uh, let's start doing this. Let's just start talking about random stuff happening in the episode. Well, uh, in my ever attempt to see every episode this season as a backdoor pilot, I can't help but think that somebody at NBC was looking for an idea to get Natalie to join the army. It's Private Benjamin meets Gomer Pyle meets Alan Sherman. Come on! <laughs> Greenlighted, come on. Comedy gold. Come on. So, um, I, I, and I was wondering, would I be mad at that? Seeing Natalie Green join the army. Little Jewish Natalie Green in the <laughs> army with her, with her Borscht Belt humor. Come on. It, it might have, it would have been no worse than Small Wonder. That's for sure. I mean, Private Benjamin was a pretty popular show in the 80s, wasn't it? It was, yeah. You know and what? You it's very fish out of water, but she was very much a wasp, wasn't she? Yeah. I've never seen that movie, and I've never seen an episode of that TV show. Well, she's like a, she's a blonde, pretty socialite yeah. kind of girl, I think, isn't she? It's like Blair Warner joins the army. Yeah, but this is, you know, Alan Sherman joins the army. Yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. I would, again, we love Mindy Cohn so much. We would have seen any. We would have been there. I would have watched there. that. I would have watched that show. Totally. And it I might think... have been like Joey. It might have only lasted a season, but I would have watched it. Sure. And Joey <laughs> wasn't that bad. Joey's well... only crime was it wasn't friends. It's like, what, what do you want? Jesus. Anyway. um. So we have uh, some new characters, some new faces appear here. Patrick Cronin appears in the role of Chris Morgan. He is the fellow parent with Beverly Ann, who is editing the PTA newsletter. Last week, Beverly Ann was dealing with a, a PTA fundraiser. Now we've got, it's like Beverly's a parent. We just have to put something PTA in every episode and check that box. Well, that, again... 
put a pin in that because that comes up next next episode too. I appreciate you saying it's the first season for this executive story editor, David. Mm-hmm. Because obviously he didn't see the episode where Natalie has to go undercover to find out what sorority life is like for the local paper <laughs> in, in a town that is basically all colleges so and schools. So how could, they, how could anybody possibly not know what's going on in a sorority? That's the story. Uh, I mean, we need to get this story now. And and that was such a successful expose with her glasses and her yeah. fright wig and her overall moo that she was wearing. <laughs> yeah, it was like, we need to send Natalie undercover more. More costumes, more hats. But uh, I wondered if this Patrick Cronin character might have been a possible romantic thing for Beverly Ann. It's like, why, why again, Beverly Ann and a man, what's happening here? Even though she mentioned Oliver last week, uh, I did look, he is 15 years younger than Cloris Leachman. And a little tidbit that was cut from the syndicated version is where he does mention that he's married. Yes. He makes a joke about his wife and then Cloris Leachman does a goddamn spit take for, for Christ's sake. <laughs> And did you notice during that spit take, it she does it and looks to the entrance where the girls are about to enter, and they do, and she's right. It should have come quicker. They should have entered quicker. Oh, she, she looks over as she's doing her spit take, like where the fuck are those girls? At, at, but they don't <laughs> come in until after she looks over, and she's at Cloris is absolutely right in the timing of that that joke. It should have been, hey, what's going on? As she's doing the spit take. Wow. Okay, that's I your, need to watch that again. That's your comedy lesson in comedy from Cloris Leachman, right there for everybody. Jeez. National treasure. Uh, Patrick Cronin has ninety-one credits in a forty-five-year career. Uh, he had a recurring role called Sparky on Home Improvement. I don't remember that. He's a familiar face, familiar character actor. But the thing that I was most interested in from 1977 to 1999, he hmm. was married to actress Beatrice Colon. They have two sons together. Not B Colon. B Colon. <laughs> Do you sure know? It's not Cologne. No, it's C O L E N. Oh, God. No agent got a hold of her. <laughs> you want to change that, maybe? Um, but no, it's uh, Beatrice Colon. Do you know who she was? I bet she was a real pain in the ass. Come on! Oh, Jesus Christ. What are you, a facts of life writer? Jesus. Uh, she is one of those rare people, kind of in the Heather Locklear vein, where she was on two series simultaneously. She was Marsha, the waitress on Happy Days. At the same time, she was also Edda, the other secretary on Wonder Woman. Remember Edda, the secretary? The Oh, Diana, we're such ugly girls, and that Wonder Woman is so glamorous and pretty. I wish we could get a date. And You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, she shows up on the Wonder Woman penny slots that I play at the casino every once in a while. Yep. But Patrick Cronin is 81 years old. Most recently, uh, his credits list him as a professor of theater at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee. And uh, he was married to Beatrice Colon until 1999, which was her death, unfortunately. 
But that was, I was like, oh my God, he's married to her. That's so cool. And he's that guy from that thing. Yeah, totally. 100%. You've seen him in a bunch of stuff. And uh, and he's also conveniently the editor of the Peekskill newspaper, which is how Natalie and Tootie get this whole thing. And he sets Natalie up to look in on the uh, the ROTC. She calls it the Peekskill Register. And I'm sure one of our super fans will know if that is the name of the the newspaper. I feel like it was the Peekskill Press. I thought so too. Yeah, I wondered that too. And I sadly, that's one of the few things I have not tracked. I've tracked Mrs. Garrett's fucking nail polish color from episode to episode, but I haven't tracked that. Um, But let's talk about the ROTC. Do you know what ROTC stands for, Matthew? Reserve Office and Technical Committee. Very close. Reserve Officers Training Corps. Uh, okay. Yep. yep. Yeah. I was I was in a different ROTC. You are clearly, yeah. So the ROTC is over a hundred years old. It dates back to the idea of civilians having military training, but still being capable of fulfilling standard civilian functions in peacetime. Uh, so that is what led to the reserves which we, you know, still have. And uh, ROTC is the sort of college level thing of being in the reserves and also balancing that with your uh, student work. And then they also have junior ROTC, which is at the high school level. So, yeah, I I never had any interest in it. I never did as as the dorky kid with glasses and braces and acne and no physical fitness whatsoever i i never had any interest in that i was like that's that's the place where you go where they yell at you all the time i don't all need that all the time i've never and god bless them for people that do it and people that can handle it i've never understood the army i my brother was in it and i just don't get it yeah i'm with you i don't get it i have deep respect for people who it's not an I don't get it and I don't get the people who do it. I don't get veterinarians either because I just could never put a cat to sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I get it that it's necessary and sometimes, and, but what I just like, I don't get that. I don't get race car drivers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't get yeah. circus performers. It's just not for me having yeah. somebody fucking yell at me while I fucking crawl on my belly through the mud. Stop yelling at me. <laughs> yeah. You'll get, you know what? You get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, Sergeant. I, I grew up gay, so it was never going to be an option for me. Yeah. Anyway. Same here. Yeah. If they had ever reinstituted <laughs> a draft, paint my toenails. We just invaded Iraq. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you and I would have been doing our best corporate clinger impression. <laughs> But uh, bravo to anyone who serves or has served in the armed forces. I, I my my I don't get it attitude is the you are a better person than I am completely. But I don't understand. Like we said, this is reminiscent of the episode where Natalie goes undercover at the sorority. Why does this have to be undercover? They want to find out what it's like for women in the ROTC. Just go. And interview and, them. Yes. And talk to them. 
and yes. get a quote. I don't understand why it's all this undercover subterfuge for the peak skill register. I mean, it's not Time Magazine, Natalie. It, just go find the women. Be like, can I talk to you about what it's like to be a woman in the ROTC? Yeah. And Natalie has to actually sign up. And then she's like, that's a pretty big commitment. And he's like, no, it's okay. You can quit within a year. And, you know, Natalie is just kind of like, okay, what if I really had any interest in entering the armed forces? That that wouldn't look good on my record. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, you can join the armed forces and just fucking quit. How dare you, sir? But they do this whole the whole bit where Tootie becomes her um, her agent and says, She'll write the story and you'll love it and you'll give her a job. And Natalie says, that's not how this works. But now that I've heard it, that's my offer. Bitch, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Well, Tootie managed that stand-up comic when she was in high school, remember? So Tootie has experience. But I mean, Natalie, that's my offer. I'm the editor of this fucking paper. I can get someone else to do it, bitch. (laughs) You're a first-year writing student. In a town full of writing students who are going to this college. There's got to be a senior that's around. So I just, yeah. this comment. And he's never read Natalie. a word of her writing. Not a word. Not a word. It would be one thing if he said, yeah, you know, Beverly Ann was telling me about it. And I actually did dig up some of the samples you had sent in. And you're actually quite good for someone of your experience level. That would have been great. No. No. What is up with Tootie's hair this episode? This season. Uh... It's it's what Dominic calls the bell hair. It is the bell shape. And you know what I think is weird about her hair? Is there's nothing in it. Has she ever worn her hair in the over our heads uh, seasons without a hat or a clip or a comb or a ba- barrette, as I'm doing, or a hat or a brooch or a pterodactyl? <laughs> but I think what was weird was that her hair, it was it was a little bit crazy, but it, it looked good. It was very soft and framed her face. And I'm like, I think what's so weird about this hair is that it's just plain. There's nothing adorning it. All right. Because I know how you love how Tootie walks around in, you know, a full pantsuit and a hat. Yeah. At home. Yeah. And uh, in the Natalie hair watch, remember we talked last week about how Natalie's hair was clearly freshly dyed brown. It's already lighter this week. So it's already lightening up. And uh, and of course, it lightened up because they, wink, wink, went to Malibu. Or didn't they actually go to Malibu before well, they filmed this? Y- yes, but... Don't they live in Malibu? Right, but the, the quote-unquote time spent in the sun, that was on a soundstage, is what I'm saying. So uh, we need to talk about this girl, Jody, the friend that Natalie makes when she goes to the gymnasium in full camouflage gear, head to toe. Who has made it to college and made zero friends her entire life, apparently. Uh, apparently. I, whatever. Um, this actress is Renee Props. She's credited here as Babette Props. Um, That's weird. But she has 25 credits in an almost 40-year career. She's still working. She would go on to do a lot of soaps. In particular, she would be Veronica Allen in Days of Our Lives from 85 to 86. So that's in the past. 
here. Uh, she'd be Buffy McIntyre on Santa Barbara in 1988, and she would play Ellie Snyder on As the World Turns from 87 to 92. That was 113 episodes. So that was kind of her big, big role that she did. And uh, Natalie befriends her. And then later when Natalie, once it comes up that the parachuting is going to happen, Natalie lets it drop like, you know, I'm not really going to be here anyway. We get that wonderful TV trope of you're a spy. You pretended to be my friend. All right. You want a quote for your article for your stupid story? I'm sorry I talked to you. I'm sorry I trusted you. And I'm sorry I ever met you. Wow. Okay. And, and and Natalie goes does what we all do when something like that happens to us. Take two steps, go Jody, and then stop and turn back like, well, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So so true. So the girls come back from the movies, David. Mhm. Joe and Blair have been to the movies with little little Andy. I don't know about you. Uh -huh. But when I go to the movies, I take that 50-gallon drum of popcorn all the way home with me. What is that? <laughs> what was that? Girl, that when, and, and Blair has her soda. Girl, <laughs> when that movie is over, your 10-gallon soda, what's left of it, is flat as fuck by the time <laughs> that movie's over. It is all nasty you have had enough popcorn and butter and salt to the point where you're like i can't take my tongue anymore <laughs> that shit gets thrown away everybody gets the 50 gallon drum of popcorn you eat five bites of it and you're like well this is cold now there's no butter on it and i'm done with that <laughs> i keep making trips out to get it rebuttered I'm really like my my relationship with a silo of popcorn is a very real thing when I go to the movies. But th fucking with these movie places now, you got to walk five miles back. To I the know. Thing. You miss out to half the movie. I ain't going to the movies with you, David. Stop asking. But <laughs> and uh, like uh, comedian Matt Bronger always says, uh, he his his joke is he walked out of a movie theater and there were Girl Scouts sitting there selling cookies. And he's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? And they're like, we're selling Girl Scout. Goes, Outside of a movie theater? No, no. We are adults who just went into a darkened room with a silo of popcorn, a five-gallon thing of soda. We just ate it all in darkness, threw it away before we exited the theater, and now we are pretending like it never happened. <laughs> We're like, gee, I'm starving. Where, where's dinner? You know, it's like, no, no, girls, you cannot highlight the fact that we lie to ourselves about the awful eating habits that that movies uh, instill in us. Now go sit outside a dispensary like a good Girl Scout. Goddamn right! How enterprising is that? Ooh, honestly, I just when they walked in with the popcorn, I was like, who does that? No, you're they, so right. You're so I mean, right. granted, it's twelve dollars for that thing. So normally I wouldn't throw twelve dollars away. But Jesus. <laughs> anyway, that yeah. popcorn's so good. She's got to keep it. Okay. I, I mean, you got to admit it fucking is the movie theater when it's fresh, when that shit is hot and fresh and still really crispy. 
yeah, this was, but she's at home now. That's, yeah, it's that, it could, <laughs> you're right, you're right. It's, you're so it's right. like it's like circus peanuts at this point. <laughs> she's it's like gummy by that point. <laughs> we need to eat circus peanuts sometime. I don't even know where to find them. What and the this fuck was, are those? This was, this was 1987 movie theater popcorn. We're talking where they actually poured real live butter on that oh. fucking popcorn. Not this gel shit that they put on it now. Yeah. This is like fucking, like, fucking a ladle of actual melted butter on it. True. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I want it. I want to go to there. Trans fats hadn't even been discovered yet. Nope. Even taken out of food. Nope, they were. Oh, well, those were the days. <laughs> Anyways, you want to so, talk about Sergeant Evans? Is he the guy, Dennis Haysbert? Oh, he's wonderful. He's on a series arc of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he's just fantastic. Fan fucking tastic. He is a great actor, and I, I was going to say, oh, this is probably very early in his career. Oh, no, no. He had been at this for the better part of a decade before the facts of life. He has, as of this taping, taping because we still use reel-to-reel tapes in my house because I'm old, 141 credits in a 44-year career. Tons of series work, voice work, a few movies still working. He's the Allstate guy. So true. And from 2001 to 2007, he played Senator David Palmer, later President David Palmer, on the TV series 24. And one of my favorite roles of his is in the movie Far From Heaven, which was a 2002 Todd Haynes movie with Julianne Moore and Dennis Quaid. Great movie. It was like an updated salute to the Douglas Sirk melodramas of the 50s. It is magnificent. Highly recommend that movie. Um, so he comes in as the drill sergeant, and it's the same thing that we got from that fucking uh, Professor Tomcat last week with the, I'm here to make your life miserable. This is going to be tough. This is about sacrifice and pain. And, and so this made me question, David. I have never been in a room where something like that happens. Is that really what the military is like? Or is it is that a TV trope? Like, I, I've only ever seen that from a TV perspective. I don't know if a drill sergeant actually walks in and starts calling you an asshole right to your face. I don't know if that really actually happens. I, I wonder if it might be a part. It, it, is, it is such a trope to the point where I wonder how uh, how accurate it might be, because the one thing we can say about all of these middle-aged vaudevillian writers from the 80s, they probably did serve in the Second World War. Sure. And, and it is, I mean, it's in every movie and every, whenever it's a drill sergeant, they're always Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. That kind of guy. But I just wonder, like, in everyday life, if the fucking drill sergeant is just a, just a, that way like yeah. always yelling at people who well, why i, I wonder if that's part of what basic training is about because uh i feel like you know part of basic training is also kind of a conditioning thing like it's oh, yeah. also getting everyone on the same sleep cycle and the same food cycle and and things like that it's kind of 
kind of bringing everyone down to even keel. So I, I, do, I do not know, but uh, it, it seems to be a very prevalent trope. Even the, the full metal jacket scene with, uh, with Arlie Ermey, who would go on to be the voice of Sarge in Toy Story, that scene where he's just laying a barrage of obscenities nose to nose with young Matthew Modine. And it's just like, holy shit. And apparently he got that part because Arlie Ermey was a drill sergeant. Like he was there as a consultant and they were like, uh, this guy could just do it. So I, I think there is a nugget of truth in here. That scares uh, me even more. I know. Yeah, exactly. Makes me even more glad that I have never had to serve in any way, shape or form or because I just would be after the first day, I would just be like, I'm going home. The man was yelling at me. Right. <laughs> so any of our listeners who have served in the armed forces, tell us, is this a TV trope or are there really tough drill sergeants out there? Is this kind of a, a rite of passage, basic training kind of a thing? But Natalie's standing there with her perfectly manicured nails, holding a pad and a pen. Yeah, completely undercover. Yeah. And he demands that he be addressed as sir or sergeant. So he does roll call. Jody. Why didn't Natalie go first? So she wouldn't have an idea. You just heard the person next to you, Natalie. Yeah. Say, here, sergeant, and then step back. Then he here. goes. Natalie, oh, here, I don't know. Here what? Here I am. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not that stupid. I would have had her go first so she had no idea what she was supposed to say. She was just given an example, yeah. for God's sake. Yeah, he just said, you will address me as that. And and again, as a group, sir, yes, sir. Yeah. You give the group. And then, okay, now roll call. Green, here, here what? Here I am. That would have landed. Much better, comedically yeah. speaking. Um, this girl, Jody, by the way, one of her things is that Jody is, uh, I think, a common thing, a multi-generation military family. There are a lot of those out there yeah. uh, where it's kind of their birthright and it's just, uh, you know, a foregone conclusion that they will be serving in the armed forces. And And by the way, joining the armed forces, after you get through military training, if if you're not sent off somewhere to fight and have your life in danger, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities for careers, for training, for college. Sure. Like you, you do come out. I mean, um, I I had a friend who was in his early 30s planning on joining the Navy. And a, a gay friend who was planning to do it because in his mind it was a, a way to get training for a certain career that he wanted to do and also travel and uh and save up some money but uh, yeah no no the army is a great uh, educational opportunity for for a lot of people the the armed forces i should say what else we want to talk about bring throw um, something else out there matthew well the the whole thing becomes and again they had such a chance to make a statement, but instead of doing that and having a girl power moment, yeah, they have it become about Natalie jumping out of a plane. There's nothing left. There's nothing that has to do. She doesn't do anything else about 
women in the ROTC or how she's treated as a woman in the ROTC. And then this female, this fucking female. Um, Sergeant McNamara. Just, Sergeant McNamara. Jesus Christ. Becky. <laughs> oh, my God. We get it. You're yelling. Oh, my God. But you have to yell every single line. Sergeant, what's his pussy? Didn't yell every single line. He was nope. anyway. She's just fucking screaming her lines. But it becomes about them jumping out of a plane. Yeah. And, and not about women in the ROTC. I don't. I. We talked about that last week. You brought that up also that we had we had we have these girl power moments that are being missed when that could have been what the show evolved into was a it's an all female cast. We can really tackle women's issues. Well, and she has to make the joke about a strong woman being called a sir. Mm. I know I'm looking at it through 2022 eyes, but that bothered me on a female driven show that they would make that that kind of a joke yeah oh, she can't be a powerful woman sir okay yeah all right by the way sergeant mcnamara is played by serena c grant she has 62 credits in a 31 year career if you look her up on imdb literally if there is a show that existed in the 70s or the 80s she was on it all of them across the board so pretty much, Matthew, pick any sitcom from the 70s or the 80s that you want to do an episode of, like Sanford and Son or All in the Family or whatever. We can find one with Serena Grant in it, very likely. I'll live. <laughs> um, but yeah, then she comes up with this, I'm a jump master, so we're all going to be jumping out of a plane tomorrow. What? Woo! That's crazy. I feel like there would be more training involved other than jumping off of a step stair that is four feet off the ground it, yeah, and jumping and, off out of a plane. I feel like there'd be a little bit more training when it comes to that. And really and truly the on, you know, has she been doing this? What a week max. Yeah. A week or a couple of weeks total because she already had written an article and then, you know, needed to, to update it and all that. It's like, so what per, is this really a necessary part of their early training? And let's talk about Natalie again, real quick. Speaking of, you brought up the fact that she writes the article. The editor says, now your story is there's a new female thing. And Natalie's like, eat my butt. That's my story. <laughs> and she's like, well, if this is what I have to do to be a writer. <sighs> that's like an audition, like an actor being like, well, if I have to audition to be an actor okay <laughs> i guess fuck you're doing this to get a job mm -hmm. and then yeah. and then she's like talking about she's like if i don't do if i don't jump out of this plane there's no story no story no job no job no career her whole life is over because this one writing article for the peak skill register yeah if the peak skill register doesn't hire me my career is over yeah Wow. Because it doesn't, it's the whole episode isn't about empowering women to become strong and that women can do what everything that men do. There's your perfect thing. She gets in there and it's men saying, why are women here? That's the story arc that they should have gone. And then those two girls prove, bitch, I'm jumping out the plane while a boy is 
scared to jump out of the airplane. Yeah. But no, it's all about Natalie having to jump out of a plane. And it could have been a boy from Bates because Bates was a military academy. That There's your birthright. There's your generational thing there. Totally. Totally. Good rerun. So they, they make the whole story about her jumping out of a plane that it's certain death. Everybody is acting like it's certain death. David, <laughs> do you know how many deaths by parachute? <laughs> it's not funny. Deaths by parachute there were in 2020. How many parachute deaths? I, I never even occurred to me to look this up. <laughs> well, because everybody was in this episode was like, was like, oh, yeah, you jump out of a plane, you die. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I was like, well, other people have jumped out of planes. Out of 2.8 million registered parachuting jumps yes. in, in 2020, 11 deaths occurred. Oh, Wow. That is less than half a percent. Damn. <laughs> so just again, I really wish they would have taken this and made it a girl power moment. Did I love this episode? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the music a little bit. Mr. Ray Colcord, which we have commented before, when he has asked to rise to the task of creating music like the horror movie music or i assume he did the music in the um the the richard mall episodes where they were doing the sort of night court-esque theme that was uh yeah. all over that so uh he really laid it on thick with the sort of army marching band national anthem kind of uh music he found his inner John Philip Sousa, David. Yep. The one that they played over the end credits that was playing towards the end when Natalie was getting ready to be pushed out of the plane. By the way, Sergeant McNamara ends up pushing Natalie out of the plane. <laughs> that, that, that has got to be against the rules. But uh, the music they're playing, uh, it sounded a bit to me like that song from Lacajo Fall. The I joined the foreign legion with a saber in my hand. I crawled across the desert with my belly in the sand. That whole it, um, it, counter melody. It sounded more to me like the theme from Hogan's Heroes or Gomer oh. Pyle. Bum, 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 yeah, it felt yeah. a little Gomer Pyle or, um, or um, Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're totally not wrong. That's and that's right in the right vein. But uh yeah, when he when he when he goes there, he goes there, man. He does. That's why he would he would go on to do bigger and better things after this. Um yeah. Uh, other than I don't have I, I have a lot of notes, but they're not really of any <laughs> yeah. any importance it's just that when when natalie is bouncing this around and saying well i'm not going to do it and the girls are like well maybe you should you have to get the job and then joe is the one who's like you're gonna fucking die yeah yeah how because i don't know what to say how about the word splat and then tootie does jump in it's like well if you do do this i will shake your hand if i can find it and uh at one point when Blair, oh, oh, God damn, opportunity missed. Blair, as they're going on and back and forth about it, 
Blair says, this shows you how far this show's writing has gotten away from itself. Blair says, wait a minute. A brilliant idea just popped into my head. <laughs> Did you think what I thought when you heard that? Yeah. Nobody knows her catchphrase in the writer room anymore. Yeah. It's like, granted, she hasn't said it in about five years. <laughs> but to have her out of the blue at, you know, what is she? Blair is what, 23 now? Have a 23-year-old Blair Warner say, Natalie, I've just had another one of my brilliant ideas. Yeah. And the brilliant idea is, you know, well, as an attorney, I know that if I win a case, I haven't done all the work. I have a bunch of assistants that I farm that out to. but the attorney that wins the case takes all the credit. So basically she says, farm it out. And then Cloris Leachman is like, are you suggesting that she not jump and just take someone else's account and pretend like she did? Okay. Works for me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would have expected Natalie to actually say that, you know, ethically challenged Natalie. But that line of Blair saying, a brilliant idea just popped into my head, the theoretical punchline to that joke, that was the setup. And then Joe says, don't frighten it. It's a lonely place in there. <laughs> Joe's hair does look like Elvira, doesn't it? Yep. Dominic was so right two 100%. weeks ago. She is 100% Frizzo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just going to get longer and frizzoier. Yep. Yep. But we didn't talk about Andy being pushed to call this girl because we're putting a pin in it until next episode. But remember that, dear listeners, that the B plot was Andy being nudged to call a girl on the phone. And her name is Patty, I believe. Patty. Yep. yep. You know, so, you know, all those kids that you went to high school with in the 80s named Patty. Patty, Jesus. Um, there is a funny joke where after he does call her and they set up a study date. Yeah, uh, he's he's kind of, you know, Beverly Ann does have a sort of, you know, I lived my life in fear, Andy. I didn't know what else was out there. Uh, I lived in fear of cheese. Really? <laughs> really? I was afraid of everything. And she lists things and gets to cheese. And they went, cheese? And she's like, yeah. And I was in Wisconsin. She delivers it perfectly and hilariously by throwing it away. She goes, in Wisconsin, you can't get away from the stuff. Yeah. Like, no, no, you're, was, okay. I'll give you that. She's brilliant in Wisconsin. No, no, brilliant delivery of a shitty joke. I'm afraid of cheese and I'm from Milwaukee. <laughs> But anyway, the inspiration is like, Andy, it's basically, Andy, you've got to fucking go for it. Don't be afraid of shit. Fucking do it. So he calls Patty and he gets the date, at which point after he hangs up and leaves the room all happy, Natalie says, you know what? I'm going to do it, too. And Joe says, I think Patty already has a date. I laughed out loud. Ah! I, laughed. I did, too. I did, too. That was <laughs> funny. And it's a little lesbianic. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> Ay, 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 ay. But the only other thing of note in the episode that I would want to bring up is that uh, once they're on the plane, you know, Jody is mad at Natalie for being a, a, a traitor, as it were, being a spy. But once they get on the plane, 
Jody is the one who freezes and is petrified. And it's Natalie who builds her up and tells her that she can do it. And don't do it for your family. Do it for you. Make yourself proud. And she does do it. And that's a nice little reconnection friendship moment for this friend that we will never see or hear from ever again. But then at the end of it, Natalie tries to back out. Natalie's like, oh, you know what? Uh, not for me. It's like, you girl. And then that's when Sergeant McNamara just pushes her out of the plane. And as we see stock footage of a parachutist, we hear Natalie saying, I did it. I did it. And without a doubt, it's the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. Without even like the director wasn't like, OK, you're saying these lines as you're falling out of the sky. Yeah, because it's literally her going, well, I did it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, not if that's the case then cut back to her sitting at her table with her typewriter going, well, I did it. But yeah, no, it was just like her fly. It was supposed to be her flying out of the sky going, well, I did it. Mm, la, 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 la. Yeah, as opposed to, ah! <laughs> right? Why wouldn't oh, it Jesus just. Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> why wasn't it just her screaming the entire time? Agreed. I would have loved it. Would have loved it. But anything else? A fun episode. I love a Natalie centric episode. I'm sorry. Yeah, liked it. It's that fun again. Rewatch, and I think I'm giving this more leniency the more I rewatch the Golden Girls and realize what 80s sitcoms were. It is one has nothing to do with the other, and you just have to accept it, David. You just yeah. have to accept it. I'm 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 doing my best to let go, <laughs> let go, and let God, as they say. Uh, as far as just give it to God, David. Give it yeah, to God. I'm turning it over to my higher power as I understand him. It's like a 12-step recovery program for, for 80 sitcoms. Yes. But so far I have had an enjoyable time watching season nine. Yeah, I I'm I've oh okay, sure. I I have had moments where I have found myself enjoying it as well. Because spoiler alert, I watched the next episode already. So I already know what's going to happen, and it's fun. Is that the first one with Paul Provenza? Hello. Yeah, yeah. He is, he's not unattractive in this, if I recall. And uh, perfect segue, because that episode, Matthew, is season nine, episode five, called Sweet Charity. The minute you walked in the joint. I could see you were a man of distinction, a real big spender. That song works for the episode. Nope, we'll talk about it next week. Okay, that's a wow. good thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note. Another put another pin in it. Yeah. Anyway, that's from that's from the Broadway musical Sweet Charity. Uh, you can watch the episode for free at DailyMotion.com. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Oh. And you. And also with you. And you. And also. <laughs> Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com 
for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.